Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spath. He's hey one gosh. of our elders. And this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets. I'm so glad and thankful you're able to join us tonight. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and you get you have the bell on so you get notified every time we upload any content. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and, and share. That really helps us out. If you're listening to us via the Heart and Hands podcast, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. Um, if you're interested in supporting this work, if you're interested in, in helping out and becoming partners with us on this work on our website at www.churchvictoria.com, we have a donate button and go ahead and join us. You hit that button and it'll it'll tell you what you need to do there. And we really appreciate any donations that you yeah, do decide. We're not to asking for money. No, no, we're no, just, we're not. If you want to help us, if you want to be, I said, if you want to partner with yeah, us, that's exactly right. And Paul makes it pretty clear in Philippians that. When you give to ministries like this, you do become a partner with That's us right. in this. That's and right. if you want to do that, you can go. You can do that. And so, again, appreciate anything you decide to give. Um, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 23 very briefly, uh, hopefully, <laughs> very briefly. <laughs> and then we'll be into Genesis chapter 24. And I'm really looking forward to getting it, uh, getting after it. Your first John class, how is that going? It's going really well. It's going really, I'm getting more and more comfortable with that with that camera. I'm getting more and more comfortable with it being live streamed. Right. Because like this is recorded. Yes. We can edit this and fix oh, yeah. this and tweak this here and tweak that there. You can't do that when you're when you're live streaming. No. Man, it's it's as soon as you open your mouth, it's out there. You know, and I was gonna say, for some reason, it started streaming two minutes earlier oh, no. than normally. Oh so no. you we see you walking around and doing stuff and <laughs> It's it's pretty funny. I don't know why. It's like a minute and thirty it's funny. seconds. Yeah, it was no, it was pretty funny. So I I don't know why. Um, I'm not sure why it did that. But anyway, it was entertaining when I realized I'm like oh, I was picked up about a minute and thirty seconds earlier than uh, than I had. Thought well, it's it would. it's really getting more comfortable for me. Good because good. it it's a you it, you have to get into a mindset that to know that there are people. You know, and I make you leave the box open so I can see it, so I know I remember that that we're doing that. But now I'm getting where where I when I get into the into a class, you know, I don't. Sometimes I have to remind myself that there are people watching, and just to keep them engaged and keep keep you know make sure I acknowledge that they're there. Sometimes, and that's that's sometimes that's something I'm having to learn how to do. Right. You don't have to do that here no, as much. Not as not as much. Not as much. But on a live stream, you know, that I, I want them engaged. I want them there. I, I can't talk to them, but I can make sure that they know that I know that they're there, and and that's taken a while for me to grab a hold of that. And, and understand that. And then to end it and finish it and know that I just don't stop, you know, because that's how I used to do class. Just stop and we're, we're done. And, and that's let how you pe- do phone calls too, by the way. I don't huh? know if you knew that. Do what? That's how you do phone calls too, by the way. <laughs> really? All right, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's a, yeah, it's going well. Good. I, I enjoy, I enjoy, st- I'm going to, going to be sad when it's done, but then I'm going to second John, then I'm going to go in third John, and then I'm going to go into the gospel of John. I'm going to do all of that. I'm going to do all of it. Good. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a while. We're going to be at it for a while. So, but I hope uh, I hope people are watching and I hope they're hope they enjoy it. And I hope they're learning something from it. Well, I'm glad that we're able to do that. It's uh, it's awesome that we have the capabilities to do that. Yeah, so it really is. It really is. I mean, like this one. You know, I know I know there are people watching over a period of time. More and more people watch and and. Uh, you know, and it's, it's good. I hope people are learning. I mean, it's I, I love doing the Old Testament. I hope people are learning from it because you know, what I've learned is a lot of people don't have a clue what the Old Testament's about. They don't understand how it connects. Right. I've studied with people that said, well, I'm not that that was not written to us. I'm, we're not going to study that. You can't study the New Testament without studying the Old Testament. Look, you know, the covenant of Moses may not apply to us, right? The covenant, the law of Moses or the covenant of Sinai may not apply to us anymore, but that doesn't mean it wasn't for us. Yeah. You know, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 makes it clear that we should learn Absolutely. from the things that came Absolutely. Before. But yeah. hey, why don't we pray and okay. strip it? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to uh, to study together. Uh, we pray. I pray for our audience, Father. I pray for those that will be listening. I pray that uh, whatever this going that's going on with them, that that uh, uh, that they will that they ultimately will learn about Jesus from from this study. Uh, we pray, Father, that that if there's a if there's a problem in some of their lives, that they'll contact us and get get a hold of us so we can help. And uh, and Father, again, thank you for for the technology that we have that we can do even do this, and that we can reach so many folks. And and that's a, that truly is a privilege, and it's a it's a blessing. And we thank you so much for it, Father. Bless us tonight as we study. Help us to learn and help us to uh, to navigate uh, uh, correctly 
through this text. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you, brother, you've been walking with Christ for a long time. What are what are some of the blessings that you've received from him? Uh, uh, I think relationships, one of them. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of relationships that I have that I wouldn't have had otherwise, I think is a true blessing. To know that you can take someone like me and Dan Marshall, who are, who, who are in completely different zones, uh, and I said that in my class Sunday morning, or maybe, maybe it was not, I don't remember anymore, but it, uh, you know, Dan, Dan was in law enforcement, and I was not. Let's just put it that way. If we had had contact, it would not have been good. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. And now here we are, serve as elders together, and and that only happens because of following Christ, right. because He's made us into the same same people. We have different personalities, but we're but we're connected together by that. Uh, it's a uh, uh, blessing. Is uh, I have three faithful sons, and if you'd have been at our small group the other day, you you'd have heard my son who led it. Uh, would have would have explained some of the some of the negative things that happened between him and I, because that was the text we were doing what you preached on that week, and uh, and what do you think? I didn't know. I mean, I know, I knew all this stuff, but uh, to know that we've come through that, and we're not as much now father and son as now we are. You know, he's a teacher. I'm a teacher. He preaches. I preach. You know, we're we're developing some of the same same. Uh, parts of our persona right and uh, and that happens because of christ mm. uh i've got a faithful wife uh and and that's a blessing from god i've got uh, you know god takes care of, of me financially i'm not rich i'm not poor but he takes care of me that's a blessing from god uh i have i have talent that i've gotten from god i know i, I know i've gotten it from him and uh you know, you've heard me say before, man, one of the classes I almost failed was speech. Right, yes. You know? I mean, how in the world does a guy go from failing speech who was terrified to even speak in, in front of more than three people at one time, and and now I, I preach in front of 300, 400. You know, I, I mean, that has to come from God. There's no other explanation. Would you count any... So you've been walking with Christ for a long time, and, and these are all awesome blessings. But did they just come, or did they come? Maybe did they come after trials or testings? Would you consider any of the trials or testings you've been through? I know we just talked about a major trial with Abraham. Were there any trials or tests that you went through that now looking back you would say were blessings? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think the things that happened to me before I became a Christian uh, have made me uh, successful in some of the th- people that I've had to deal with. You know, I can talk to certain people that other people can't talk to because I've been there. You know, I know of a, a guy that came here that had a, had a Bowie knife on his, on his belt, tattoos all over. And, and I, and as soon as, as he and I started talking, he, he looked at me, and he said, you know exactly what I'm going through. So I've been there, been there. And, uh, you know, so I think those tests in my life where I could have, made this choice or that choice and made the right choice and, and eventually eventually uh, decided, hey, i got to have somebody in my life. I have to have God in my life. And uh, I think those things in my life, I think, helped helped me to uh, 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 to learn some of the things that I needed to learn. I think those were absolutely from God. I think, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to say I don't know. I mean, God was leading me before, but, but uh, he definitely used my personality and my lifestyle from the past. Uh, in in the work that I've done now, absolutely has. Mm. So I think that was a blessing. I think I think the loss in in life. I mean, losing family members. I think it, it can play a big. You know, people people fall apart when they lose family members. Sometimes I've seen it happen. Uh, lose a child, and watch people fall apart. Yeah. Uh, and. You know, I mean, those can be tremendous blessings if you allow God to bless you through them and get you through them. Not necessarily the loss itself, but the resulting faith. That the loss itself after. stinks. Right. There's no two ways around that. Right. It stinks. Nobody. No. 
And and I remember the guy that did our sermon, Randy Brown, did my did, did the funeral for for Cliff, and he said this was not part of God's plan, because sin and grief and dying was not the plan. The plan is to bless us and to get. And and I understood at first I didn't understand what he was talking about. I do now. You know when he created in the garden, it was perfect. Right. That's his plan. Yeah. He's going to have to bring Jesus to make it fulfill it, but that's the plan. And uh, so so it's. You know, yeah, I grew up. You grow a lot through those things. You it's learned almost, almost like with what James says, right? Where consider it pure joy, brothers Absolutely. and sisters, when you face various trials. Absolutely, not for the trial itself, but for the maturity of your faith and the growing we, of your faith. And we just and we were talking a while ago about my Friday night class. My Friday night class is about is about people asking questions. Hmm. Here's the book. Ask me a question. Right. And and I will tell them there's questions I don't want to talk about. There's some things we won't deal with, but. Uh, but one of the questions the other day was about testing. You know, why does God test us? He already knows who we are. Why does he test us? You know, because I need to be tested. I need to be proven. I need to know. And, uh, and that's what James chapter 1 says. Consider it pure joy. Yeah. Because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. J- Satan is not trying to develop perseverance in me. No, no. He's he, not. He wants so we to know, destroy you. <laughs> we know he's not the one doing the testing. Well, when he tests Jesus, what was he looking for Jesus to do? He was trying fall. to make him fall. Right. He was trying to make him fall. God's not trying to make me fall. Well, and it, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, a test, a test from God, from God's perspective, is meant to grow you. It's meant Absolutely. to demonstrate who you are. It's to, for, as James would say, it to, the goal is perseverance in your faith. However, Satan seeks to use that test and destroy you. Absolutely. And Satan, and God uses Satan to test as well. Absolutely. We see that with Job. Did that with Job. That's if we see that exact thing with Job. And Job withstood the test. Yes. And he was called and righteous. And God knew at the end he would. Yes. But I think I think in that Job needed to know he would. And Satan needed to know that Job would. Well, if all God wanted out of that test was to be glorified. He's still just and right in doing it. Yeah, absolutely. If he's all still that came out of that test was Job glorifying the Father, and that was the sole intent, he's God is still justified in doing it. Yep. We are here. You know, we we've been talking for the past year. I've been preaching on this subject: is why are we here? Who are we? And then why are we here? Well, we are here to. You know, I'm going to just go ahead and cut cut the whole year short. But to put it in one sentence, we are here to glorify God. Absolutely. That's why we're here. That's why the church is here. The church is here to absolutely. glorify God. Absolutely. And so, that's the whole point. That's mm-hmm. it. And if that's the only point, now God is awesome. And so that's usually and we not the at, only we point. We look at guys but... like Abraham, who is flawed. He's a flawed man. Yes, he is. And and then he's tested, passes the test. God says, now I know you will withhold your son. What does it say in Hebrews? That in his mind, he believed God would raise him from the dead. Correct. So, you know, so we see this flawed individual, broken man, growing and becoming a, a glory to God. And we can learn from that. You know, we're going to see his son do some similar things and glorify God. That's why God said, I'm the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, he's the father. He is the father. These are broken. These guys are not perfect. These guys, these guys are a mess. Oh, yeah. They're a mess. Yes. The only one that can clean up the mess. And, you know, guys, I mean, I'm not, I mean, we're a, we're a mess. You are, I am, we're a mess. You know, we bring a we bring a messy stuff to the to the table, and God has to sort the stuff out and clean it up and make it viable, and that's what He does. He does, and it's amazing to be a part of it. And there are so many blessings. If he, God, if you feel God's not blessing you, maybe it's because you haven't done the things that God requires of us, so that He can bless us. And you know, I mean, that's, and let's be clear, we're not talking about financial blessings no, or anything. No, Oftentimes, no. guys, great finances or, or, or financial windfalls are, are worse a test. than the rest of us. Well, they're a test like anything else. But the blessings of being forgiven, the blessing blessings of having that assurance, the blessings of knowing God's mercy and being able to tell other people about it, those are all blessings as well. The blessing of being able to be secure in the knowledge of where you're going. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing, not wondering constantly, why am why am I in here? What yeah. is this? Is this yeah. my life? You know, it's been a, it's pretty been pretty neat uh, to be a part of watching people find Christ, mm. being part of that, knowing that that they came to you and asked questions, and you gave them some some information, and they followed up on it, and to watch them grow, 
and watch them be successful in their spiritual walk, that is a that is a trip. Oh, yeah. a, that is that is really is a blessing to be allowed to be a part of that. Getting to be a part of the work that God is doing is always a blessing and fantastic. Absolutely. But here we are, we're in Genesis chapter twenty three, and you know, we we see you know, the kind of the end. As I said last week, Abraham is, is going to be quickly exiting the stage. Well, before Abraham exits the stage, Sarah exits the stage. So mm-hmm. Genesis chapter 23, we're not going to be in here very long. We've said over and over, this is not a verse-by-verse study. No. We're moving through the text. We want to, we're, we're specifically mm-hmm. in Genesis and the law here, we're looking for that promise that we were given in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That person who's going to come and crush the head of the snake, Right. We're looking for that Savior, that person that has been promised. And so Isaac, is the, the story has been focused on Isaac. God called Abraham. Was this the guy? Found out it wasn't. He failed in different ways. Uh, but he did prove to be righteous. He proved to be faith, righteous through his faith. And so now we've been hearing about this son of promise. And we're supposed to be wondering, okay, is this the guy? Is it going to be this guy? It's not. Of course, we've already ruined the surprise. Hey, surprise, spoiler alert. It's Jesus Christ. That's the guy. But... The narrative but, is pointing, but, but the journey getting to him, correct, is going to be filled with all kinds of neat characters. Oh yeah, Abraham is only one of them. Yes. Isaac's only one of them. Man, wait till we get into some of these other guys, man. <laughs> I mean, these are some neat characters in there that we're going to get to get to this Jesus, get to correct. this Savior. So anyway, so so we're in twenty three, and as I said, Abraham is is going to exit very soon. Sarah exits first, and that's what chapter twenty three is about. Um, it's about the death of Sarah. So it says right in verse one, you know, Sarah lived to be 127 years old. Awesome. Mm-hmm. To get to see the things she saw, to get to walk with Abraham, that's pretty cool. Um, well, she know, had Isaac at 90. Yes. So she lives 37 more years. So Isaac, she's gotten to see Isaac raised and grown. and and then, But she doesn't get to see him married with his own family because that hasn't happened yet. Correct. So anyway, so she is dead. So then Abraham, it says, he rose up from his beside his dead wife, and then we have this really kind of bizarre situation where Abraham is dealing with the people of the land, the Hittites, and he's trying to to get a spot to bury his wife. Now remember, he's a foreigner; he doesn't have any land, and this is just a absolutely bizarre conversation, right? Abraham basically opens this up and he says, look, I'm a foreigner and stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial site, right? And the Hittites reply, listen to us. You are a mighty prince among us. And you're thinking, okay, they're they're respecting Abraham. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will refuse you his tomb for burying your dead. Now we might be, throughout this conversation, I said, it's very strange. There's a lot of back and forth. Abraham rejects this. And I look at this from my culture and I go, Man, they're being really, really cool. You know who also is really cool? And I, some of the nicest people I've ever met? Car salesmen. <laughs> Specifically used car salesmen. And they're great. Now, look, if you if you sell cars, do not, hey, I'm not trying to slight you. Okay, that's, that's not what I'm doing here. But the point is, when you want something from somebody, you're, you're really nice to them, right? And there's, there is a transactional deal going on. What we are witnessing here is an ancient contract negotiation, okay? Abraham wants something from them as a foreigner. He wants a piece of property to bury his dead. Well, guess what? There's a lot in that culture, in that Hittite culture, especially along the legal tradition, that goes into play And tell into, them into how you know here. that. Well, okay, so... Uh, back in the 1950s, 1960s, archaeologists uh, in Turkey discovered in what used to be the capital city of this Hittite empire thousands of years and, ago. And nobody knew. Ever, people were saying the Bible is not real because there was no Hittite nation because they never found it. Oh, well, there, then there is. Yeah, there, but there then is. they found it. <laughs> and then they, they, had, they had really had to go to the Bible to find out what they had. They didn't they, know what they had. They found uh, in, in the ancient palace there from thousands of years ago, they found ancient tablets written in cuneiform that describes this Hittite empire, their law code, the whole nine yards. The whole nine yards. It was centered in Turkey, and it did extend down into the land where Abraham is sojourning. And these are some of these people. And this empire existed around the time that Abraham was knocking around, where he was walking around and, mm-hmm. and seeing these people. And so there are very specific legal traditions or legal laws, excuse me, not legal tra- laws, that apply to foreigners during this time. One of them was they couldn't own property. 
And so Abraham is telling them, hey, I want to buy some property from you. And their response is, oh, no, no, you're so awesome. You're so cool. Just bury your dead in one of our tombs, right? They're not doing him a favor. They're trying to keep him a foreigner. A, a foreigner. Because if he buys property, that's a different that's a different ball game. All of a sudden, he has a different status among these people. Okay, so that's what's really going on here. They're not trying to be his friend. They're not trying to butter him up. He is a foreigner trying to acquire property in their king in their empire, and they're trying to prevent that. That's what's going on here. So this is a high stakes con, con, international really contract negotiation. That's what's going on here. What's cool about it is as we see the back and forth, we see how Abraham negotiates with them. So notice what he does here. If you are willing to let me bury my dead, then listen to me. Now look, they made it clear they're willing to let him bury his dead, isn't he? Mm -hmm. So he's using that, and then he says, points out Ephron, son of Zohar. So he picks somebody out. He doesn't just leave it to the group. He picks somebody out, and he says, let, so he will sell me the cave of Mount. So he's picking out some property there. And notice what Ephron the Hittite says. No, my Lord, listen to me. I'll give you the field and I give you the cave that's in it. Now, under Hittite law, it's very possible that if Abraham had accepted that, he would have been this man's vassal. So it might be here. It's, it's very possible. Now, we're not 100% on this because, again, We've got a lot of data, we've got a lot of information, but the exact date and time that Abraham was doing all this, that this was happening, we're not 100% sure. So we're not sure if they're, if if the feudal laws that they had were in place during the time of Abraham, okay? But anyway, all of that aside, Abraham rejects this offer and again offers a price and they eventually come to a negotiation and they eventually come to a, to a successful negotiation and Abraham's able to purchase the land. Now, this seems like an odd story. Why is this here in the Old Testament? Well, first of all, the cave of Mal Mal uh, Malpila, Malpila uh, is going to come into play again. This is where Jacob is going to be buried. In fact, all of Egypt will come up and bury Jacob here at the end of Genesis. Uh, Joseph's bones will be taken with them and will be laid to rest in this same spot. They will reference this same spot quite a bit throughout the rest of their history. Um, it's a big, it's kind of a big deal. That's why it's here. It's here to point to where their ancestor is buried. It's here as a testament to their ancestor's well, faith. Didn't you, and I don't know, I may be wrong here, but isn't this probably part of the Hittite nation that's probably in Canaan? Yes. Oh, yeah. So yeah. he's buying a piece of property that God's already said belongs to you. They just yeah. don't know it. That, right. They just don't know it. Yeah. And their bones being buried here is a testament to their faithfulness. A mm -hmm. testament that goes beyond just their life. Now, they've lived in this land for a long time, mm -hmm. and they've wandered in this land. Abraham is going to be buried here. Sarah is going to be buried but here. But the Hittite nation is not going to acquiesce just because Abraham says, well, God told me he was going to give me this land. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. They're going to have to be run off. Eventually. And eventually. Well, and, and yes. And, and they will be. But And they will be. Eventually, yes. they have to be run out of this land. Yes. Okay. But... But I just want to make it clear that you understood that that he gets this land. He gets land that God's already promised to him. Yes. He bought this piece of property, and God already said, this is yours. Correct. They yeah. just don't know it. They just don't know it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a cool negotiation. It is. <laughs> it is. It's very interesting. But one of the things I love for us, now I've already said for them, the reason this is probably here is more than likely they've got a bunch of wandering Israelites in the desert. And as Moses is telling them this, as Moses is writing this stuff out for them to see, right? As he's doing all this, it's reminding them that their ancestors were faithful, even in death. Even yeah. in death, yeah. they buried themselves in that land that God had promised them. They were waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. And they were going to be faithful even to even even past the grave yeah. is the idea. For us, what what's the point here? Well, for us, it serves to, to demonstrate that the Old Testament is reliable, that these are real people. This isn't just something somebody made up in 300 BC, which is where a lot of our more liberal scholarship, I want to say, more, a lot of more of our, our liberal scholarship wants to go, well, these things were written in 300 BC. Well, if they were written in 300 BC, they sure knew a lot about what happened in 3000 BC and yeah. 4000 BC, yeah. which we argue about stuff that happened 200 years ago. And we find it in the 1950s, we find this place, and it and it and it clarifies the things that were already written here. Correct. It's saying the same exact thing. Yes. So what this story lends to us is a lot of reliability. That the Old Testament is reliable. Mm 
Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not really questioning that anyway, no, no. because Jesus quotes all of this, this stuff. This is for those who are. He confirms all mm-hmm. of this stuff. And if the Son of God says, hey, this stuff happened, who's going to argue with that if you're well, a follower of Jesus? And, it, and you know, if you're, if you're out there and you're wondering, is this book credible? That's what we're trying to show you. Correct. It, yeah. has, it has the credibility of, of thousands of years. Yes. It is, and it's true. It is consistent with what our archaeologists discover and find. That's that's our point. This story demonstrates because a, there are religions out there that make statements, stay, say things that archaeologists can't find any proof of correct. what they're saying was true. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Well, there are also religions out there that tell you in their holy book right at the very beginning that they're myths, and they don't know if any of it's true. <laughs> so that's I mean, not what this one says. That's not what this one says. That's not what this one says. That's not what this one says. No. So this is this is a timepiece, a time capsule that yep. demonstrates, right, that uh, the authenticity, it demonstrates the authenticity of the events during that time. The book claims to be happening at that time and what we see as far as their practices. Well, you know, I, and I, and I, I don't know if I've said to you, but I've said to a lot of my students, you know, when I sit down to sit, study with someone, there's two things we're going to establish. The very first thing, is God real? Does God really exist? And is this his book? Because if those two questions, if we can't agree on those two questions, we really don't have anything to study about. Because all we're going to do is argue opinions and particular points of view. And without some standard to go by, we have nothing. So if I'm going to study with you, you know, I want, I want to first establish that God's real, that he really does exist, and that this is his book, and then I'll take this book and prove that he's real by some of the things this book says. So, you know, and this, all we're doing here is proving that this book is credible. Correct. So what's going to come out of it later on is also credible. Yes. Good. All right. And that's pretty much Genesis chapter 23. Uh, Abraham purchases this piece of land. He buries Sarah there. And it also talks about um, some of his descendants. So, and that's Genesis chapter 23. We're going to jump into chapter 24, which we're going to take this a little bit, a little bit more verse by verse. Yeah, this is going to take us a bit. Yeah, 24. So we're in Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. Abraham was now very old and the Lord had blessed him in every way. So he said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I'm living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Verse 6, Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household in my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, To your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. It's interesting the, the how adamant Abraham is about this. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're talking about a guy who has lied. Now he's much older. He's been walking with God a For lot a long longer. Time, yeah. Yeah. But at the beginning, who lied about his wife. In fact, that was his practice, as he, he noted in Genesis chapter uh, 20, I believe mm-hmm. it was. That was his practice, was for his wife to lie for him and say that she was his sister, right? So We're we not going to get into that again, right? We're not going to get into that. <laughs> but that, that was this dude's practice. And now we've come to this place where he is adamant. Look, the Lord God has promised us this land. Do not take my son back to, back to where I yeah. came from. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's very interesting to see the growth of faith. You know, for us, it's been like from chapter to chapter to chapter, but it very quickly. But this this is a growth that took place over years and years and years. You know, he's going to die at 125. He's, I believe, 100. No, uh, no, 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 no. 175. 175. 175. Mm-hmm. So that's a long time. He was called at 70, I believe. And his wife's going to die. When she dies, 120. 125. 125. And and he so he's 135 when she dies. He's going to live 40 more years. He's going to have a whole lot more children. He's not done. Yes. yes. This is a very virulent guy. He's going to have a whole lot. He's going to have another wife, and he's going to have more children. Yes. So God's going to truly bless him. Yes. And he says, and he tells this this servant, 
God has blessed me with this land as a promise. He gave it to me. Do not take my son back there because that would be like saying, I don't believe you. That's right. And look at his confidence here. This is this is what I, I, I find interesting. He says, he will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife from my son from there. He's not been promised that. But, but you know, Cole, he, is, he has had com- conversations with angels before. Mm-hmm. We know that. We, we, yes. we read it. He's yes. had conversation with. So he knows the power of God. He's listened to God say, don't kill your son. Now I know what's really in your heart. He's, he's had a communication with God. So, you know, I mean, you can say, well, he's got an advantage. No, he still has to make the right choices. But he has, he has, a, he has a faith in God that's gone past the lying. He's not doing that anymore. He's grown past that. And now he's looking at it and saying, I know that my God is alive. And I know that God is going to do what is necessary in my life. Getting a wife for my son, if this, if this promise is going to unfold, then my son has to have a wife. Please, he cannot have a wife from these people. Mm. Can't. Well, I mean, we just saw, you know, putting 23 into perspective, we just saw them try to keep him as a foreigner yeah. or take him, possibly, very quite possibly, take him as a vassal. Do you, think that, <laughs> do you think that Abraham was a smart guy? Yes. Do you think that he's looking at the land he's sitting in? And he's sitting there, and he's and he's got his legs crossed, or however, and he's having a communication with Ephron and all that, and and he's saying, "I'm buying my own property." I, I don't I don't think that uh, I don't think we should overlook the irony of his statement in 24 compared to what just happened in chapter 23. This is my land, and I just had to pay to get my wife a place to be buried on my own land, and he understands that. This is a very intelligent, very faithful, very focused guy. He has done some some things, and I, you know I'm not taken away from the fact that that he thought there was some things he needed to do, and he did them, and they were wrong. Oh sure. But but that's all of us. Again, the righteous will live by, by faith. faith, and that's what he did. And we have seen Abraham from our perspective, and when I mean by our perspective, I would say our worldly perspective. We would say that he has failed in that faith. But as we've seen from Romans chapter 4, the way he failed, God didn't consider it failure. No, no God didn't. didn't consider it doubt. It's it's pretty, again, that we have to correct that shift. In our culture, by our standards and definitions, we would say Abraham wasn't faithful. But that's not how God looked at it. No, he didn't. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Because thank God that would be us. me. That yeah. would be me. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God for us. So this, so this is pretty awesome. He, he really is. He's, he's taking this step. He hasn't been specifically promised that a wife will come from this land. Mm-hmm. But he's heard that his relatives have had. That happened in chapter 23. He's heard that his relatives have had children. And he's saying, that's where we need to go. Um, we're going to see some interesting faith from his family. They have faith. They still hold to God and to the, that those yeah, traditions yes, as well. So it's very yeah. it's very interesting. Now the narrative doesn't get into that a whole lot, but it is interesting. And so he tells his servant, "Look, you need to make this oath. But look, if she refuses to come back, you're you're not going to be bound by that." So that's very interesting. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. So then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camel, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Nahim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside of town. It was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water. So he positions himself where he knows there are going to be women. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So he, he goes, okay, let me, I better, I better, if I'm going to do, do this. Why do you think it's interesting? Because he didn't, he didn't just walk right into town. There was some wisdom in his decision. Mm-hmm. You know, it took some thought. It took some, it took some, you know, it took some uh, consideration. It, honestly, it reminds me of the apostles in the upper room when they're trying to go ahead. I'm going to take you back to verse two sure. or verse one. It says, Abraham now was very old. And the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to his senior servant <laughs> in his house, all right, his household, the one in charge of all that he had. How smart is this guy? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. Joseph is going to get, when we get there, is going to get put in charge of Potiphar's house, and then he's going to get put in charge of the jail because he's a smart guy. Right. All right. Yeah. And so this guy, this is this is not a dumb move. This is a smart move. This is a, this is 
This is by a guy who is in charge of everything Abraham owns. And Abraham is a rich, rich, rich man. Oh, yeah. Wealthy man. Yes. God has blessed him. Yes. I mean, he's, he's got plenty. And so this doesn't surprise me that this guy would do that. I'm not a rich guy. I'm not any kind of prince or anything. And I would think to do this. <laughs> I would. If, well, and it and it goes to show that, you know, there's that there's that joke that talks about the guy who's stuck on a roof, right? Mm-hmm. And he's and the floodwaters are coming up and you know, he's sitting there saying, God save me, God save me, you know. And uh, you know, a, a boat comes by and they say, Hey, jump in the boat, man. And he goes, No, no, God's gonna do it, you know. And then, you know, eventually the helicopter comes by, No, 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 I'm not gonna God's gonna do it. And then he drowns, and then he's at, at the gates with Saint Peter and he says, Hey man, you know, why why didn't God save me? And and Peter's like, Are you kidding me? We sent you a boat, we sent you, you know, we sent you all this stuff and you didn't you didn't anyway. Uh, it, it's, we, there is a level of, we have to be smart. God expects us to be smart as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not all just, I'm going to sit back and, and God's going to do everything for me. God does want us to pray. He does want us to pit, to depend on him, but he also wants us to be wise mm-hmm. in our decisions. We've talked about, you know, looking at two doors. There are two different ways I can go. And you see people going through doors all the time with monsters on them, you know, um, and there are all sorts of different things that that monster could be. But you see people doing that. God does want us to be prayerful in our in our decisions. He wants us to seek out wise counsel. And he wants us to make good decisions. And I think all of these things come from studying his word, being in prayer, and being around his people. Mm-hmm. We'll see here, the servant positions himself in a good place, but then look at what he does. He positions himself where all these women are going to be coming out. But then he, he doesn't just do that. Then he, he, prays. he prays. So he makes a wise decision and he prays. Lord, God of my master Abraham, this is verse 12, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Wow. How faithful does this have to be? Wow. How did did this guy, this servant, this senior servant, how did he learn to be so faithful? I mean, the only thing I can think of is he's he's watched his master. Absolutely. How how do our children become faithful? Mm, Exactly. Yeah. By watching how, how How do our friends become faithful? By watching what we do, how important and how critical is it that we that we do the things that we're supposed to do, that we put God first in our life? How important is it? Mm. You see, yeah. I mean, this guy learned from me. He had to learn from me. this guy. God, God didn't call this guy. Mm-hmm. God called Abraham. This guy just has the blessing of being in Abraham's household and becoming because of his intelligence and for his faithfulness because of all that stuff he has he becomes the senior servant in charge of everything how much does abraham trust him he trusts him enough to go get him uh, go get a wife for his son that's true yeah that's I'm, a pretty that's a major decision that's a major decision it is a major decision he has every faith in this guy that he's going to do the right thing he's going to do it the right way and this guy because this guy has shown him He's shown him that he is a faithful man. He's learned his faithfulness through Abraham. And I, and I this think, guy never heard God talk. Well, and and we see and we see the results of that because the, the first thing this guy does is he he makes a good decision. But he then prays. He prays about it. He yep. says, "Look, hey, you know, by his by for his kindness, for his sake, you know, and that's he, that's pretty cool. That's, and he that's knows awesome." And he says, "He says, here's a good way." When she comes up, I ask for a drink, and she puts her jar down and says, I'll water your camels too, then that's the one. That's the one. God could have had another plan. What if God had a different plan? But but that's exactly what happens. And he finds this girl, this beautiful girl, Rebecca, as a wife for his master's son. It's amazing. And it says before he finished praying. You know, it says in Galatians, that we have access to the promises yeah. because we are Abraham's children through faith. How much more so do you think, not just for this man, but would God answer the prayers of his children? He says he will. You know, it. 
when we were talking about where we were going to go, you know, when we were looking at, you know, where, do we, where are we going to go do work? You know, we looked at our own family and the things that we know God expects of us, which is to raise our children up to follow him, for my wife to be faithful, for myself to be faithful, to live lives that glorify God. We looked at all that and we said, okay, so we need to find a body that is going to help us accomplish these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm very young. I'm young in the church. I, I'm, I'm a very young minister. I, I need to find an eldership that is going to help mature me, right? And so that's what we we laid out before God. We prayed over all of those things, and then we started applying to places that met certain criteria, that uh, that met that criteria. We, we didn't want to go somewhere that didn't have elders. We weren't going to go to work somewhere that didn't have elders. It just wasn't going to happen. I wasn't going to work somewhere where I was going to be alone. I, c- I wasn't going to do it. We saw destruction that way, you know? And so we didn't apply to any churches that didn't have elderships. It's just that simple. I'm a young Christian. I need an eldership. I should not be trying to be a minister without an eldership. Um, when we, so we applied to probably 50, 60 churches. That was just one avenue. We, we looked at the numbers and said, okay, they have to have kids. If they don't have kids, we're not, we're not even going to apply because we have kids. So we don't want our children growing up. We certainly don't want to be putting ourselves into a body that we're the only ones with children. We didn't want to do that. That wasn't going to be healthy for our family. And so that was one of those boxes that, that we were looking for and that we had prayed over. And so then when all the churches responded and we started doing interviews and we started preaching and meeting, one of the things we looked for is how are they treating Jess, you know, my wife? Mm-hmm. Are they including her in the discussions? Are they not? You know, we looked at, um, man, we looked at a whole lot of things. We looked at whether or not, wh- where was the focus? Was the focus on what we were doing, ministry, reaching out? Or was the focus more inward? Um, did they, did the eldership specifically understand that I was looking to be mature, that I was looking to be grown up? That was one of the biggest things for us. I don't want to show up and be the guy. Mm-hmm. That was one of the, and yeah. I, I said that, mm-hmm. you know, during, our, yeah, you during the interview. I don't want to be the guy. That's mm-hmm. not me. Um, and we prayed over it. Every time, every place we went, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. God has richly blessed us. I showed up here. I showed up here at the beginning of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Pretty Crazy. close to the beginning. Crazy. You yeah. know, I've been here a month and we shut down. That's right. We did. You know, I mean, I, I tell Pam, our, our church secretary all the time, I said, you know, I've been here a year. This is usually about the time that as a minister, you start saying, oh, okay, well, why don't we go do this? Or hey, have we thought about maybe doing that? It's that time when you know that you should know the body well enough that you can start making some, you know, uh, intelligent uh, suggestions, but uh, I'm still not there yet, and I'm not there because we've been pretty much shut down. Now I'm starting to get to know the body better. Now that we're opening up a little bit, I'm getting to know it a little bit better mm-hmm. here. But uh, God richly blessed that He knew where we needed to be. He knew where He knew where He wanted us. Well, I got a text, a one, a verse. Sure. That we're going to study Sunday morning in my class. It's in First John chapter five, and it says. Uh, uh, let me see if I find it again. I lost it. He says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, you know, you asked a while ago, does, does God really answer our prayers? Absolutely. When we ask according to his will. Yeah. What is his will for us? So we have to know what his will is. What is what was the will of 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 God in this situation? He is looking to bring a Messiah, and he said, "I'm going to bring it through you, Abraham." Well, that's right. This this servant is trying to please his master. He doesn't understand all that concept. He doesn't. But God's will is, I'm going to I'm going to perpetuate this family through this boy. That's right. He has, to have a, he has to have a wife. And look at verse 15. Before he had finished praying, this is Genesis 24, 15. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. Rebecca will be the wife of Isaac. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before he had even finished praying, God answered. Yep. She's already there. So, you know, I, I've seen God over and over and over answer, pr- answer prayers. I've seen him. I've, I've seen him answer my prayers. I've seen him answer your prayers. I've seen. I've just seen God at work this past year. I've, I've watched God at work, and it's an awesome thing to behold. 
it's an amazing thing to behold. You know, I mean, think about it. You know, a month after you got here, we shut down COVID. And you come in with all the technological savvy you've got and working with our guys that have the same kind of technological mm. stuff. Lee's grown. My son has grown. You know, we have put out all kinds of technological stuff that I never dreamed was possible. I didn't know that we could do this. You incorporate Kale in this, Kale Smith, and use his expertise when it comes to cameras and pictures and photography and all that stuff. And and here we are doing all kinds of classes, benefiting all kinds of people. People are watching by the hundreds and and we're and we're doing very well financially in spite of being shut down for a big part of the year last year. And our now, mission work is continuing to grow. And it's growing. The evangelism work we're doing, we're we're looking at starting some of that and that's going to be exciting. I mean, we're it's you know, I thought things were shut down. I thought things were bad. I thought things COVID. They're but not, God's though. just not here. Going. They're not. I mean, yeah, we we still have you know some social distancing stuff, but we're starting to gradually get out of that. But as we can see, that it's, well, I mean, we're still affected, but we're not. We haven't been squished or stopped. No, absolutely God's been not. At work the entire yeah, time. and 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 it's we're still we're still growing. I mean, you know, I mean, we had we we started to see our numbers come up. You know, people, but but we have people. You know, our number people are watching. You know, I mean, you know what Sunday morning class? There's eighty or ninety people watching on online, not counting who's in class. So I mean, you know, God's blessed us. Yes, God has answered prayers. You know, we prayed early on. God keep keep us in your in your care. Watch over us as we go through a, a minefield here that we don't have any idea. Nobody mm-hmm. did. Our government didn't know what the minefield was like. They didn't have any idea. Yeah. Well, we certainly didn't. We didn't have the information they had. The power of prayer, the power of knowing what God expects or what God wants, the power of, and and where do you get that from? You know, I talked about all the decisions we made. You know, the Mm -hmm. apostles in the upper room when they were replacing Judas Iscariot as as an apostle, they laid out some stipulations and then they cast dice dice to figure it (laughs) out. They said, said, okay, this, this is the stipulation. This is, you have to have been with us from the beginning. And then here we have these two names and we're going to cast lots and let God decide. Knowing God's will, knowing what he said, being astute for us, being a student of the book, because that's where we learn it, making wise decisions based on the first, right? Making wise decisions based on we know what God's will is and being in prayer about it, seeking out wise counsel. These are all things that we can do to make wise decisions, to avoid that monster on that door. And And picking the wrong door. And then, even then, trials will still come, testing will still come. But our faith will grow because we're doing everything we're supposed to be, which is studying his God word, said, being in prayer, and listening to We've said it before. Counsel. John 10, 10 says God wants to give us life and give it to us abundantly. Mm-hmm. He wants to give us a, a, a marvelous spiritual life. Not talking about money. You know, that may include part of that, but that, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about giving us a full, abundant life. And I would say that, you know, some of the choices you and I've made, that's exactly what he's done. In our lives, and I look forward to more. You know, I mean, I think I think we ought to stop right here, and oh, just yeah. leave them hanging with Rebecca. What happens here? Because there's a whole, there's a bunch of this chapter left. Oh yes, oh, that yes. we're going to look through next week, <laughs> and and I mean, it, it's we won't get very far probably next week because there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going on here. Yes. But it's a neat to watch how God blesses this family, and keeps that seed line going. How He even blesses the senior servant. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I mean, if look, I, I've, I've been in that position where I want to do a good job, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's like, oh my gosh, how am I going to deal with this major problem? This is a major undertaking. He's got to travel all the way back, right, all the way back up that Furrow Crescent into into the land where Abra- Abraham originally came from. He's going to travel all that way with ten camels, and then at the end, he's got to find a woman. Mm-hmm. And bring her back and convince the family that that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And he's got to do all of that. And that's a major undertaking. And my guess is this is the type of guy that wants to do a good job. Yeah. That would be my guess. Yeah. This is this is a major thing. You can learn from this guy. This is a major test for him. And in faith, he reaches out. But we can learn from this guy. Oh, yeah. When our, in our jobs, you know, in our, in our, in our relationships, you know, I want to be, I want to be a, the, I want to be the best I can be. And I think that's what this guy is. He's, he's, you know, he, he, he steps out on faith. 
He goes to a land he's never not been before. His master's very old. He's got to get there and get it done before his master dies. And so he's got to go and get this stuff done. And he does it on faith. He prays. He asks God for help. He, he, he believes that Abraham said, well, the Spirit's going to go ahead of you. You know, God's going to send an angel ahead of you. And, and you know, and it's going to get, it's going to, it's going to work out. But if God decides not to, and nobody wants to come, then you're released. You're okay. It's all right. But this guy said, man, you know, hey, this, here, here's some, you know, this, this way I'll know. She comes out and she says, well, hey, I'll get water for your camels too. And first thing, first woman comes out. Well, in Abraham's faith, think about it. Abraham's faith in releasing his servant from that vow. Mm -hmm. Saying, you know what, and, and you know what, if, if God doesn't want to do it that way, He'll do it some other way. Yeah. I'm sure that was part of His thinking there. I, I'm just amazed at, and I never really saw that before, the faith this guy has and where he learned it, and that should be a testament to us. That remember, people are watching you, guys. Remember, people are watching you. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're out there and you're faithful to God and you and you love Christ and you're following Him, remember your family's watching you. Remember that the only Jesus they ever see may be you. And and that's and I, that's I'm not putting pressure. I'm just telling you that's just the way it is. People are watching, and they're looking to see what is it that I'm supposed to do. And sometimes they need visual aids, and we are that sometimes. Sometimes they can't navigate through the book. They can't really grasp it, because this guy don't know what Abraham knows. God ain't talking to him. He's talking to Abraham, and he's watching Abraham live the life of fulfillment to the promises God has made. And he's and he's going whoa, whoa, and and he's learned how to be faithful to God. He's learned about God through Abraham. So teach people that you know about your God, as you talk to them and as you live it in front of them. Don't say I'll tell them one thing, and live another. Mm. They'll they'll knock it off in a minute. They'll know in a minute you're a liar. We're supposed to be faithful to God. That's right. And and. God will use us to bless the nation around us. Yep. That's what we're trying to do here at Central. That's what we're trying to do as individuals. So let's pray. Yes, sir. Father, thank you for the opportunities that you're going to bless us with and the, and the, and the, the blessings that we're going to have because of our faithfulness to you. Help us to realize how important it is that we live this life in front of people around us. You know, just like this servant, just like Abraham. You know, there, there are those, those situations in our own lives with our children with our grandchildren, that we can teach and train by how we live our lives and how faithful we are and how and that our talk and our walk are the same. Bless us, Father. Help us to do that as we learn that from this servant and his master. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.